Welcome to the Paragon Podcast. It's Jared Pickney, and today I'm joined by my good friend Sonia Haygood. People may be confused and be like, "Oh, first time on the episode," but no, it's not. You nope. can change your last name. Second time, finally did change my last name. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what are you gonna do, like, now? I mean, if you, I mean, is are you are you still including? Ella in there anywhere like as as like you know Sonia like some people know yeah. like oh this is the lady we voted for or no are you just dropping it all together well I mean I think it'd be too much to put both names because is a pretty long <laughs> last name pretty long hey good's not that short either yeah. but no so it's you know I've been putting on all my paperwork and everything Sonia F Haygood okay to hopefully yeah. signal it's that girl with the crazy long last name she's got another funny last name <laughs> yeah, that's all. so uh yeah i just you know it took me a while to change it but it's, it's a small district people's gonna figure it out they're gonna I feel like they will you know i've still got like three and a half years left on oh, my yeah, term totally. so hopefully it'll you'll have the reputation it'll be all right it's so, so good to be able to have you back on uh obviously if i don't remember what episode it is you might have to go back and look at it chris but um for those who might be interested in learning more about sonia's history and kind of how she you know got to where she is today and all that, you can go back and you can listen. Um, we grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so, or at least we're in high school together. And so go way back. And I'm super proud of just where you are and the work that you're doing. Um, I would love to just start our conversation because we've not talked a lot since the race is over, since you got elected. Last time you came on, you're right in the middle of it. What was that like running for office? Like, tell me kind of the good, the bad, and the, the ugly. ugly. Like, what did that look like? like? How much time did you spend? Like, what it, was it like? It was wild. So, um, I think I said this last time, like never in my wildest dreams that I think I would ever run for office, but here I am. And it was just kind of a throw yourself to the, in the fire and just go. So it was a ton of being out and about visiting with people, going to events and trying to juggle that. I mean, my family was just instrumental in allowing me to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're a big part of my team. If it wasn't for like my parents and my husband and even the kids being out there helping. I mean, I'd have Nico and Ava Grace would get in the back of the golf cart with me to go like knock on doors in neighboring neighborhoods that we could get to in the golf cart. Yeah. Um, because, because they wanted, so that was like my, I'd be like, I want to spend time with my kids, but I, I've got a campaign mate. Let's, how are we going to do both? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that. And then. And, you know, there were a lot of really good parts, like meeting people, talking to people. I made some great friends along the way that mm. are going to be lifelong friends. Mm. And then there were some obviously negative parts of it because um, of the just the nature of it. You know, I was, on my way over here, I was driving from I had court in Crittenden County this morning, and then I drove back over here for this, and I was listening to the Parable podcast yeah. and <laughs> listening to Brad Snyder's podcast, and he was talking about his campaign and how – how clean it was. Mm. And I remember during, cause I was going through it at the same time he was like, they did not have all the nasty mudslinging stuff that we did in mine. And, and I just loved it. I loved watching that sheriff's race because all those men respected each other. They were running on their own merit and that's just how it should be. You think that's because so. they actually knew each other like Steve and, and Brad. Like, do you think that, cause I'm guessing, is it Martin? Is that, was that his name? Like Martin the, Lilly was Martin mine. Lilly. I'm guessing y'all didn't probably know each other real we well. We worked together beforehand. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So when I was public defender, he was the prosecutor, one of the prosecutors that I worked against quite a bit um, in Craighead County. I did not know that. So, um, but it was, it, I don't, I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that they knew each other. I think it was that those men just have, have honor and integrity at the core of their beings, yeah. whereas 
you know, that's not the same for everybody. Yeah. How did you deal with that personally? Like knowing that there were times where you felt like you were probably being misrepresented or I mean attacked or your character was being attacked or whatever. Like, <clears throat> is that something that you took personal? Or? I did sometimes. I mean, I really did. And I mean, there was a point where there were, you know, threats being made about the things that would affect my children Jeez. that were just not true and taken or and or taken completely out of context. And that made me mad because like nobody messes with my kids. Like I'm sure. not I'm not here for that. Yeah. Um, and the cam- campaign did not matter if that if that was about to start, then I was the, I mean, Politics aside, I was going after whoever was doing anything to my kids. Sure. So, absolutely, rightly so. And that didn't, nothing happened yep. as far as the kids go. But there, there were like, it, it got that nasty where it was like rumors were, because you hear about stuff, right? Like the thing doesn't happen until, like you know about it before it happens, whatever the negative attack is going to be. Like it's not like it happens and you're surprised. You start hearing these, it's what we call whisper campaigns of stuff. Mm. And that was one of them. And, mm. and I'm not saying they were going to do it. And I know that for a fact. It was just stuff that was coming up to me that I was prepared to deal with. Yeah. If necessary. Thank God it wasn't necessary. Right. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you persevered through it. I, I want to hear just kind of <clears throat> really what does your, what does a day to day look like um, for a district attorney? I'm assuming most people listening to this are not an expert in the law. They don't understand how the district court system works. I don't. And so maybe just tell me a little bit about kind of like what your day-to-day looks like, um, kind of what your role is. And, and then in that, like, I would be curious, this may be a silly question, but like what is the kind of chain of command in the district court system? Like who reports to who, that sort of thing? Because that's just something I have no idea. Yeah. So there's 28 dis- uh, judicial districts in the state of Arkansas. So there's there are 28 elected prosecutors and then – um, below them are their deputies and everything. Each judicial district has a certain amount of judges that work in that district. So I think ours is 12. I could be wrong, but I'm trying to count them in my head. I know we have nine courthouses because our district has six counties in it. Okay. Our, our judicial district, the second judicial district, is the largest geographically in the state. Okay. Um, and I think it is, it's the second or third largest by population and caseload in the state so it's one of the biggest ones so i mean you think like the largest ones are like pulaski county at pulaski perry counties which is the sixth judicial district and then like like fayetteville washington county mm-hmm. has its they i think they have washington and what is it madison county that's like right next to them i can't remember Impossible. my, ge- my arkansas yes. geography is not good right now <laughs> well mine neither there there are two counties with one district. Okay, and how many did you have? You had six. We have six. What are our counties? So we have Clay, Green, Mississippi, Craighead, Poinsett, and Crittenden counties. Okay, and how many courts did you say? In that? We have nine courthouses, nine court circuit house. courthouses. So maybe I should back up. A yeah, little what bit. are yeah? So you have all these judicial districts. Then you've got the actual court system. So like the the Supreme Court of Arkansas is the highest court. That's an appeals court. Below them is the appellate, Arkansas Appellate Court. Appellate? Appellate, like appeals court, court oh, of okay. appeals. Okay. Um, the court of appeals, that's the way it usually is said, not appellate court. <laughs> then below them are like the trial courts, which that's circuit court level. So that's like your Judge Phil Hours, Judge Bibb, Judge Broadway that are all over here in Greene County. Okay. So Supreme mm-hmm. and then Court of Appeals. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this down. And yeah. then you said circuit. Correct. Okay, and then then um, below the circuit courts are the district courts, and there's mi- there are many many district courts even in just our our um, our dis- our judicial district. 
So it gets weird. Like, so there's, you use judicial district, but then there's district courts. It's not necessarily the same thing. So, but like, what classifies, like, if someone goes to, say, like, a district court versus circuit court? So, for on the criminal side of things, if you're a misdemeanor, you're in district court. Okay. So, any any crime punishable by less than a year of prison time or jail okay. time is a misdemeanor. Okay. But you also have, like, first appearances of felony cases in district court. So, those district court judges are really important because they're usually the first judge that any person coming into the criminal system sees, even before they make it, their case gets officially filed and it, okay. it's assigned to one of the circuit court judges at the trial court level. And so circuit court will be anything beyond something that's punishable for more than a year. Mm-hmm. So, and we can, you know, circuit courts can do misdemeanor cases, but usually we don't ever send those up unless there's an appeal for misdemeanor, like the district court to the circuit court, or if there's misdemeanors attached to a felony charge that gets filed altogether in one case. Okay, so even though, so that's good for me to know, so the circuit court and the district court, that still would fall under, like, you would be involved in both of those. Correct. Okay, yep. that's good for me to know, because I'm like, oh, a district attorney, they just deal with, like, district court stuff, and so, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Which is why the terminology is weird, so, like, you're right, like, you have district court judges in a district court, and then we're in a judicial district, but they're, you're talking about different things. Okay, so then, so. you've got, obviously, your district attorney. So, like, who do you report to and, like, who's kind of reporting to you? Like, I help report me to you. Them. Okay. The people. Yeah. That's who I report to. So, um, I kind of see it as, like, I, y'all have hired me to manage your your law firm that mm. you have hired with your tax dollars to prosecute crimes in your community. And how do you work for me? So, like, if I, like, I'm guessing, like, you actually, you, you do listen to people, but, mm-hmm. like, what are people complaining about? Like, what are they coming to you about and saying, hey, we need you to do something about this. Most people go directly to the local prosecutor, the de- the deputies that are below me. And yeah. I hate saying below me, but that's just if you're asking for yeah, like I'm a chain like, of yeah, command char- thing. That's exactly right. Then that's what. Uh, like who reports to who. Yeah. Right. So, because I don't, just to be clear, I don't consider them below me. Like, Oh, I know person, you don't. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's my language, <laughs> yeah. not yours. And how, many, and how many deputies? There's, uh, we have 23 deputies right now. So there's several per there's, county then. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. So it's essentially like running the largest law firm in Northeast Arkansas. Okay. Is what, what I'm doing. Okay. What was the next? What was the? Yeah. Now well, I'm then. Off, so no, no, I know. I'm throwing you <laughs> off. So you got you're reporting to people. You have deputies mm-hmm. that are, <coughs> excuse me, reporting to you, and then so uh, like you off the street. The that's what it was. With. Like yeah. you, like if you had a somebody came and um, like happened to us, vandalized your house, mm-hmm. you would call the police probably to make a police report. And unless there was like an active crime going on where they had somebody they could arrest at the time and they could you know, see it happening and validate doing that, then you would file that police report. They would turn it over to the prosecutor's office after they've investigated it. If, let's say they find whoever did the damage to your property. They would give that to the, the deputy prosecuting attorney in their county and they would make a filing decision on it to say, is it, or what charges are we going to file based on these facts? Mm. So that's, you know, a lot of your interaction that ends up coming to us as as my bosses, essentially, as the citizens, is coming into contact with law enforcement first. Okay. But you can also walk into the prosecutor's office and file a complaint, and that complaint would be, you know, we if we needed it to be investigated, then we'd call whatever agency we needed to to follow up with some things, whatever, just whatever it may be, and then... That would get handed over. So it's your job, basically, Again. like you said. You're you're just making sure everyone 
<clears throat> this whole system, which is, again, there's you, there's deputies. I'm not sure. We'll get to who kind of is you know, reporting to them, but you're kind of looking at the whole piece. Yeah. And making sure everyone is doing what it is they said they were going to be doing to mm-hmm. make sure that everyone's getting their fair shake, right? They're being taken care of in the court of law or whatever the legal system. Yeah. Fair so enough. the way I've got the district kind of <clears throat> outlined right now is that, um, like, I have a chief deputy. Her name's Jessica Thomason. So she and I work together a lot. And Jessica's great. I, we, I think the first time, it's kind of funny. So the first time Jessica and I re- ever really talked, which we've had mutual friends for years, but the first time we ever talked, she was in the running. She right. was about, to, uh, we were about to be opponents. Mm-hmm. And we're, she called me and we were talking on the phone, like, you know, just, hey, hi, I know we're going to see each other. And if, if we're doing this and, and I stopped for a second and I said, man, I feel like we we're supposed to be best friends, not opponents. Mm. And, and it's funny because now it's kind of turned out like we're, we're heading in that direction. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's cool. So we didn't end up opponents, and but Jessica has been a, just a, a tremendous value to me and, and a good source of just sounding board and making sure that I'm, you know, doing things sure. right. I always like to talk things out, and she's great for doing that. That's and she's cool. a wonderful problem solver. So it's Jessica and I at the top there okay. dealing with, like, the big day-to-day issues. And then I've assigned a managing deputy attorney is the term that I've been using for each county. So uh, Mike Trails, the managing deputy in Clay County. Adam Butler is the dep- managing oh, yeah. deputy here in um, Green County. Paragold boy. Yeah. Charlene Henry is in Craighead. And they're managing, and like, the deputy, so other so. fellow deputies. That right. With. So then they have other deputies <clears throat> underneath them that they manage. So what I've told there, because there's too many people, right? So the deputies underneath the managers will go to the managers first. If there's another issue that uh, I need to be involved so in, then layer. it can kind of, yeah. like, go up the chain of command. Because they're on the ground with them, too, so they're going to be able, probably be able to understand that a little bit more of, like, here's the day-to-day. We know how it works here in mm-hmm. our area. Yes, and I didn't, you know, I, I did, I kept everybody on at the beginning, and the reason I did that, and everybody is mostly still there, is because that institutional knowledge is so invaluable. And the deputy prosecutors are, like, the real stars to me. They're not just you know uh, they're not looking to go anywhere else and, and I'm not either like if I, I mean I would love to retire as the prosecuting attorney I don't really have mm. aspirations to do much else unless somebody came along and said hey you want to be a federal district court judge then I might do that but <laughs> but I don't really have aspirations to do anything else so I'd love to do this forever but I but they're the ones like for real just in it for the right reasons mm. you know they're in it day to day boots on the ground, like actually talking to victims most of the time. And, you know, and I do that too, but I have so many other managerial things to do that I don't get to do it so much as, as much as they do. But, but they're the real rock star. The deputies are the ones that are like in and out all the time doing that kind of thing. And that's so important to keep that institutional knowledge. And I know they kind of trying to organize the day to day here with all the other just, uh, you know, Public defenders or prosecutors, mm-hmm. whatever. So they'll deal with, um, yeah, they'll deal with the public defenders that they they're assigned, which would have, with whatever docket they've got wherever they okay. are, and they're the ones that have the biggest bulk of the caseloads and things. So okay, so that makes sense. So then I'm guessing as I'm looking at this whole picture, <clears throat> a lot of your work is you're probably answering questions from these people, the deputies. Like maybe they're getting complaints from somebody or they're getting questions from somebody and they're like, mm, or whatever, and they're needing to brainstorm, so they go up, go up. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at the whole thing to make sure it's working together. Yeah. So that's, I'd love being in the courtroom though. So I've been trying to like pull some cases from here and there. To yeah. You weren't able to be with us. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago because you're, yeah. uh, and I know you can't talk about it, but you were um, 
you were in court. And I know there's uh, whatever's happening there. I guess a guy kidnapped a girl and that's in the process of they're trying to figure all that out right now. So I know you can't talk about it, but I was curious knowing that, like, do you have to be there in court or is that something that you're choosing to do? And if so, like, why do you still want to be there and, and, and a part of some of these cases? So I, so I'm not lead on that case. That's, um, Adam Butler's the lead attorney on that case. But because I'm the elected, I feel like I need to be at most of the trials, if not all of them. Because that's like what, district and circuit, everything or just uh, like not district. So district court, okay. there's no jury trials. I should have said that. Okay. No jury trials in district court. It's not a court of record. I totally either. should have paid attention to They don't even school. like they don't even have a court reporter that takes the record. Okay. But in circuit court they do. So for the jury trials, I feel like as elected i should be at almost at every jury trial i can possibly be at and i've missed some because there's two you know how many have you been a part of so far same time you started in january right i started in january so i actually tried one right out the gate like my second third week you tried one (laughs) yeah i tried a murder case in crittenden county in january because i wanted to so that case like i i'm trying to think how to say this so I spent a lot of time when I was campaigning in Crittenden County, and they have so much crime there that mm. we just don't even imagine over here in Greene County. Um, and their docket is just full of murders. So as soon really? as I knew I was elected, I said, give me a murder. I want, I want, give me what you've got. I want to see it. So we were going through some of them. Um, I was going through them with uh, Mike Snell, who's the managing deputy in Crittenden County. And this one was an eight-year-old little girl who's the victim of a shooting and it just broke my heart, like, because I just imagined my son was, he had just turned nine, so he was about the same age as she was when she died, and it still makes me, like, get upset about it because of the facts and how just senseless and disgusting that crime was, Mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, that little girl needs, I want to help be her voice. I want to help get justice for this family because of how horrendous this was, so so you get to pick, and I want to come back to that case yeah. in a second. Like, you get to pick if you, like, do you assign who gets what case? The managing deputies assign them to the deputies but then below them. they're reporting them. to you, so you also so can I, have influence, right? Right. So, I mean, technically, I could go up and say, hey, I want that one. I want this one. Yes. <laughs> if you want to micromanage the whole thing. Yes, right. which I don't want to do. But, you know, like the bigger trials I need to be a part of, like the murder trials, I need to be a part of. You know, the ones that are going to get the most media attention, I need to be, like, hands-on a part of those. Not because the others aren't important either, but just just to make sure, you know, things are churning properly. But also, even the smaller ones, like, I, you know, I, I want to be there. I want the jury to see that the pe- person they elected is sitting in the courtroom and actually, like, paying attention to what's going on. So, no, I can't be at all of them, but I want to try to be at as yeah. many as I can, even if I'm not doing anything, even if it's just me sitting there like, hey, I'm going to help you pick this jury. I'll be paying attention to the jurors and their reactions to your questions or, or helping with strategy. Like on the, I'm, that's one of the things I'm better at is strategy on the fly. <laughs> so, mm. cause you could be really, really prepared and you have to be really, really prepared before you go into a jury trial, but something crazy is inevitably going to happen. And like what? Like, like there's always like weird subplots and witnesses that come out of nowhere. Like that eight year old little girl victim, they had a witness come out of nowhere God, I even remember her name, but I don't want to say it, <laughs> like, publicly. But I was like, really? This woman just came out of nowhere, and she suddenly has this story that doesn't match up any of the evidence, and now, and that's like that who they Like, that was trying wanted. to, like, protect she, the person who was being accused Right, of she was testifying for the defense. 
so you have to kind of pivot and figure out like, okay, what are we going to do with this new problem that came up? Which you know, it it was fine, but um, the person ended up getting convictions. Jaw. Oh yeah, no, she got 126 years um, consecutive, and she deserved every one of them. Mm. So it wow. was it was horrible. What was, was the, the motive? She was the facts were that there there was some groups of kids over there that were playing with you know the splat ball guns. Yeah. That um so they they kind of like are water pellets for anybody who doesn't know. So you soak these little pellets in water and then they blow up and they're soft. They kind of hurt a little bit, but they're, you know, kids play with them and they shoot each other with them. Right or wrong, I'm not a huge fan of people like doing drive-by splat guns, but that's what they were doing in West or Marion. So these kids were coming around to different neighborhoods and they were playing with these guns. They came around this woman's house. She was, she was young. She was in her early 20s and she got mad, came out, started a fight with the kids in the car. Kids the kids run back to their car and start pulling out of this cul-de-sac. She, while they're doing that, she runs into her house and gets a real firearm. Well, other kids in the neighborhood were like, oh, hey, there's a splat ball gun fight. Let's go see what's going on. So this little girl, um, Jemiah Hall is her name, comes over with her cousin who's babysitting her, who's 13, 12, 13 at the time. And the defendant walks out of her house with a real firearm and starts shooting at the car full of kids. And what the evidence showed was that the bullet ricocheted off the car and hit little Jemiah in the head. Mm. And mm. Um, and she ended up dying because of that. But it's like, I mean, in what world do you think it's okay to walk out of your house and shoot a gun at a car full of children yeah, who yeah. are playing? Right. You know, whether, I mean, it, maybe it's annoying. I'd probably be annoyed too, but maybe call the police. Yeah. There's or tell them don't come options. back. Like, you've got so many other options. <clears throat> it should have today. elevated, yeah, the zero to 100 like right. that. So when you get a, a call like that, and there's, I know you've had many cases, um, and I want to talk about the, the public, because you were a public defender for a while too, and I want to talk about your case in Oceola, because you've mm-hmm. been on the other side, yeah. where someone's been accused of murder, and mm-hmm. you did, you thought they were innocent. I'm curious, like, so what does that look like for you? You, you find out about this uh, murder, where do you start? Are you going and looking at police reports first? Like, just walk us through kind of bullet point what does it look like for a prosecutor so to what, take over a case like that from kind of start to mm-hmm. by the time you get to the trial? What I normally do is if I'm getting ready for a trial or I know a case is going to go to trial, I'll look at the jury instructions first. So if for those who have never been in a jury, what um, the judge will give you and the lawyers prepare for him to, him or her to do so is a list of instructions. And those instructions give you the elements of a crime. So it's kind of like a checklist of what the state has to prove in order to get a conviction. Mm. So I'll look at that, make sure just to remind myself of what the elements are and then start looking at the discovery or the police reports, the videos, you know, whatever other evidence they have, I'll just start sifting through all of it. I usually start with the police report that gives me like whatever the, whichever report has the most condensed summarized version of the total events. Cause then there'll be like maybe a hundred others that have, do you pretty, do you feel pretty good about like, after you read that report, like I know if this person's innocent or guilty. Not just with one police report, no. Okay. I then go back and look at everything. Okay, so, which would be what? Like, what else are you going to look at? Videos. So if there's body cam videos, dash cam videos, maybe there's surveillance videos or witness statements. Did somebody write one? Is there um, a recording of an interview? Is there any like excited utterances or like or 911 calls where somebody is, you know, saying, oh my God, there's, you know, somebody's been shot, whatever, You'll whatever that may those. be. I'll listen to those. And then looking at forensics, like, you know, the 
whatever the ballistics say about a bullet or a shell casing and did it come out of a certain firearm or you know whatever it may be fingerprints DNA, all that stuff. I mean, and whatever convinces you the most that you're like, oh, this guy's guilty. That's the stuff that you're thinking, okay, I'm going to include that right. whenever I go to trial. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. So those are the, now, especially being on the prosecutor side, that's what I'm definitely trying to look at is, ha, do we have the evidence we need to meet every one of these little bullet points that the jury has to check off? And then someone's getting up, and obviously they're defending the person, and they're mm-hmm. getting up there, and they're saying, oh, well, you know, they... Didn't think the gun had a bullet or whatever the yeah. thing is. And you're over there taking notes because it's just that's where debate comes in, right? And all that is you're thinking like, that's ridiculous and here's why that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm just making a note Then you're going to get up and show me your time and you're going to be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to... and you <laughs> That's don't get to, basically it. And you don't talk to... Um, you don't get to talk to the other side, whether you're a public defender or a prosecutor, right? Like if you're prosecuting... You don't get to talk to the person who's being defended, right, and vice versa. No, like, unless they, it's like they're in the trial. No, so so as a prosecutor, you don't get to talk to the defendant. Period. Like unless they've agreed to talk to you. Which why would they? Which yeah. Well, yeah. Eh. you know how many cases I've had that I probably could have won as defense counsel if my client would have just shut up. Mm-hmm. But because <laughs> they think I'm going to convince yeah. this prosecutor I'm innocent, right? They're going to love me once they realize how charming I am. Exactly. Like, That's exactly. This I guy mean, would never kidding. kill anybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but as a defense lawyer or public public defender, whatever, you get to talk to everybody because you you have to talk to your client to explain the process to them and make sure that they understand what's going on and get whatever facts they have that might help you. And you have to talk to all the witnesses too. So, you know, as a prosecutor, you get to talk to all the witnesses minus the defendant. Hmm. But as the public defender or defense lawyer, you get to talk to everybody. Hmm. What is the... I can't remember. Did you do any prosecuting before you became the district? I worked for the, um, as a law clerk at the prosecuting attorney's office in um, Fayetteville, the city city prosecutor's office. Okay. What's the craziest case you've been a part of? And I know you haven't had as much time probably with that as you had to the public defense, but are there any that comes to mind? That's just Um, like, or just a case that sticks out to you? If any of your... Oh, time on that well, the one you were things. talking about, uh, it's, I don't know if I should say his name on, I probably shouldn't say his name, but I had a client in Osceola who I just knew was innocent. I knew it. And um, I got brought in, I was second chairing with Jerry Coleman, who's probably, if not the best defense lawyer in Northeast Arkansas, maybe the state of Arkansas. He tries um, capital murder cases all over the state, and he's a wonderful lawyer. And how did you know this um, person was innocent, by the way? You're like, your same thing. You're yeah. starting with... Uh, Talking to him. Um, I was talking to him. The, so it was a, the, it was an armed robbery is what they said it was. They, they charged him with robbery, and then it started off as a capital murder case. So at the time, I was in private practice and was trying to get certified to do death penalty cases and get capital certified. So Jerry Coleman, who's one of the only death-certified lawyers in the area, knew that I wanted to do it. He called me. He said, hey, can you come help me with this case? This will be good for you to get that training you need to get the certification so I went and then I started talking to the client and we went through everything but the the, the armed robbery there, there was no robbery so maybe I should, let me back up so these kids go out they're playing craps at a somehow somewhere and my client was with them all playing like gambling or whatever mm-hmm. they leave he leaves he goes to his mom's house and his other group of friends go and they chase down this victim and kill him so there were three other guys in the car. Those three people, maybe it was two. It was two or three, I can't remember. But anyways, 
two of them definitely testified, but one of them testified for the state, and then the other one testified for us, that he was not there. He had gone home to his mom's house, and I think he was, like, hanging out with his um, his daughter or child um, at the time. So they, and then the rest of them had gone to where the victim was, lured him out of his house, chased him down, and shot and killed him. So he wasn't there. We knew he wasn't there, but they were lumping him in because they had previously been together at a different location at a different time. And you knew he wasn't there just because the stories weren't matching up on the on right. the other side that was like, oh, no, he was there. Mm-hmm. And then the stories, the other stories were like, you're talking to these people like, oh, wait, like, no, you're putting the pieces together. Like, he really, truly, I believe this story over mm-hmm. that story. Yes. So during the trial, there was no evidence of a robbery, but that was one of the charges. So I had hmm. spent, like, all night, the night before, getting ready for my directed verdict motion. And so what happens is when your defense counsel, after the state rests, you get up and you make a directed verdict motion, which means, judge, you need to grant us you need to dismiss this case and just go ahead and take it out of the hands of the jury. And oh, okay. Because the state has not met their burden of proof on the evidence that they've presented. Mm. They haven't met the elements that are going to be read to the jury instruction in the jury instruction. So you can't even let the jury hear it. It's essentially what a directed verdict motion is. The other thing was is that there was no evidence, there was no physical evidence, nothing that put my client at the scene of the crime. Nothing. It was only co-defendant testimony from one co-defendant. Wow. And that's the co-defendant that testified for the state who got a really good deal. <laughs> so so he's getting a good deal, and he's up there, and he's testifying that my client was there. But we have somebody else who wasn't getting a good deal who was like, no, he wasn't there. Why is this, why is this guy saying he was there? He, we dropped him off at his mama's house. <laughs> so, And in Arkansas, you cannot convict somebody of murder on co-defendant testimony alone. You have to have some corroborating evidence, and there wasn't any in this case. All kinds of issues. Right. So I argued this directed verdict motion because there was no evidence of a robbery. There was nothing stolen. There certainly wasn't anything stolen um, or evidence of it with my client. And then, and that we didn't think they had met their burden on providing any corroborating evidence that he was there at the scene of the crime. So under Arkansas law, that should be dismissed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we lose the directed verdict motion. He gets convicted. You lose mm. it. Yes. So, so wasn't it like objective, all the stuff that you're bringing forward? I guess the judge. I thought not. it was. Yeah. And I love this judge, the judge that was on it. I love it. I love him. He's wonderful. So I, I feel bad kind of talking about reversing a judge. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so what happened was so the kid grabbed my hand after the jury came back and found him guilty. And he just looked at me and I still get kind of teary eyed about it because he was like, he said, thank you. I was almost like in tears because I knew he was innocent mm. and he's going to prison. So he grabs my hand. He's like, thank you. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, we're going to, we're going to appeal it. Like you're, you know, I just, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what happened. And I was just distraught because I felt, emo- felt I was for emotional sure, about like, yeah, it. We're yeah. Win this. So he, he goes, no, but you believed in me and mm-hmm. I saw you fighting for me. Thank you for believing wow. me. Mm-hmm. And I just like lost it when I got outside finally to mm-hmm. my car and I was by myself. I was like, man, like this, this kid happen. is yeah. just, I mean, and he was a kid. He was like 19, 20. Like, I mean, he was barely an adult. The family ended up hiring, uh, I'm not an appellate lawyer. I'm not good at writing big briefs and like doing all that stuff. Um, and I I'd freely admit that. <laughs> so <laughs> the family hired Jeff Rosenswag, who's one of the best criminal defense lawyers in the state too. And he used those arguments that we made, 
made at trial to get the case reversed and dismissed, which is almost wow. unheard of. Like you don't usually hear of a case getting reversed and dismissed. So he gets sent off to prison. So he was in prison during the appeal process, and then um, <coughs> for how long? Uh, I think what did, I don't even know what they sentenced him to because I was in such a daze mm. at that point. I mean, it was he was basically going for almost life, if not life. I can't remember what the exact number is. I find out and let you know. But wow. um, but he it got reversed and dismissed, and he's out. Wow. That's crazy. So that is a wild he was, story. Yeah, he was innocent. That had that, to feel so rewarding. It did, and and I didn't write the brief, but like you know, in Arkansas, if you don't make the objections at trial, then you waive them. So unless you've made that objection at trial, then you're done. You can't appeal it. So, um, so I was really, I was happy that I worked so hard that night before <laughs> to try to find all the case yeah. law I could, and I was, I took a long time too. I was like, Judge, I'm just going to do it, man. I'm going to be up here for a minute. I love um, the fact that you were so, moved to mm. tears and that you, I mean, I know that was emotionally exhausting, but yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, it just makes me even more just thankful that you're the position that you're in because you aren't just like, I just needed to like, this is just a power trip for me or it's just about money for me or it's just like whatever. It's like, you know, you genuinely care about people and you like, you want to make sure like that they're taken care of. I'm, I'm interested. I think I asked you this last time you were on, but I don't remember what you said about it, like, how do you defend or have you had to defend people that you knew were guilty? Yes, all the time. Okay, so yeah. how does that, uh, how do you well, do that? It's, when you're, when you're doing it, you're defending the Constitution, right? Like, so I've recently gave, oh, maybe I shouldn't even talk about this. I gave a speech at the Law Enforcement Academy recently, and one of the points that I was trying to make was that, you know, Part of the thing that law enforcement, that prosecutors, and that, you know, the whole legal system has to defend is our constitutional rights, where we live in a country where, uh, well, this, the example I gave is we live in a country where when you have a case style, which is, you know, Miranda versus United States, Miranda can win, right? Like, that that case is so important to protecting other people's rights, but we live in a place where that little guy can win against the whole government, mm -hmm. And that's important to protect, mm. you know, and I really, I mean, I believe that that is mm. when our constitutional rights are sacred, we need to make sure we're trying to protect those. So that's, that's my answer. I guess yeah. that's how you do it because you've got to make sure that you're protecting the little guy and you defend a thousand bad people to protect the one good one. Like, you know, how many people did I represent before that client I was telling you about that mm. I knew was innocent? Yeah. yeah. But, to get to that one, you got to defend a bunch of bad ones, and and you're not defending them and their behavior. You're defending the Constitution and and their rights mm -hmm. because that protects everybody else's. What are the um, what are the some of the bigger issues that you guys that you're seeing now that you're on the inside of, in the position you're in? Like, what are some of the the issues that you wish that we could deal with or clean up within just the system itself? Juvenile crime, it's getting bad. Like, explain that. So we have like I know in Jonesboro there's several. Um, kind of gangs that are cropping up, or I mean, they're basically established, <laughs> but they're and they're organized in these high in the high schools, and so there's been a lot of violence. And you'll if you notice when you read the news articles that come out, like so and so shooting so and so in Jonesboro, whatever. That's they're usually really young. What's that about? I just don't think they care. It's a different breed of criminal. I. I haven't been able to wrap my whole mind around it because as a mom, I don't want to believe that any of these kids are like unsalvageable. Mm. But also, I don't want any of them out there shooting each other. Yeah. So 
I've got to kind of weigh that balance. And I don't know what the answer to that is, but I know, you know. And you are seeing that in different places, not just Jonesboro. Right. So I know it's happening a lot in like Mississippi County. You see it more and in Crittenden County. And so Mississippi, Crittenden and Craighead are the ones where I see that more. Are you still seeing a lot of drug charges or, I mean, is that, oh, is that yeah. a decline? Is that no. a the same? Is it increased? I think the, in the, on the drug side of it, the thing that's the scariest that's changing rapidly is the fentanyl. Yeah, we had someone come on and talk about that um, before. Yes. So fentanyl is really, really bad right now. Um, and I've been, you know, Commander Henson, Chad Henson, who's been on the podcast yes, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who's on. So um, he's doing an excellent job with the drug task force um, and leading that so that we get some, we get good cases to prosecute. And then we've, um, we're, we're trying to f- like really solidify the relationship with the U.S. Attorney's Office too, because they have a lot of other tools in their arsenal to combat these things that we don't as the state side mm-hmm. of things. So I've been trying to use my relationships with the U.S. Attorney's Office that I built when I was in federal court for years to solidify that relationship, and it's better than ever. Mm. So they've, you know, they've been taking a bunch of our cases that are fentanyl overdose cases or even cases where, you know, we're time-barred or unable to do something with it on the state side. I've been able to call them up and say, hey, can you all look at this and see if you can do something with it? Because mm. I want to make sure that those, like, really bad criminals out there mm-hmm. that think they're getting away with something mm-hmm. know that if I can't catch you, I am going to try to find somebody who can. Mm. I love that. What would you say to the person who – I was talking with a woman last week about this because um, I was telling her that you were coming on the podcast. And I said, like, hey, what's a question that she would want to uh, ask, you know, Sonia, if you had an opportunity to connect with her and – this is a woman who has a, a ex-husband who has been caught numerous times with meth, drugs. He just kind of doesn't pay child support, all that kind of stuff. And so from her perspective, she's like, I don't feel like, like, I, I don't feel like I'm protected or my kids are protected. Like, you know, like he goes, gets a slap on the wrist, comes back, goes, gets a slap on the wrist. Like, is, is that fairly common? And if so, like, why is that? Like, I think from her perspective, just on the ground level, like as a you know citizen, like we're not as tough on some of these people as we should be, or whatever, who are kind of repeat offenders. And her mind, like, I get like one time, whatever, like you know, slap on the wrist. But is that the case? Like, is it? And if so, is it like is it that we're so overrun with cases that it's like you can't pro- prosecute everybody? Like, yeah, and we can't. <clears throat> okay, and they know that the criminals know that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, what's the fix for that? Well, is there a fix for that? So I think it's a long-term issue. Like, it's not going to get fixed overnight. I think that, oh my, now I can't even remember the name of the act, but I, there was a l- huge Criminal Justice Reform Act that was passed in the legislature this last session, which I'm excited about. It's, like, a big, huge bill. I mean, I think, I mean, it was, like, a couple hundred pages long, lots of stuff. Jimmy Gasway did some great work yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, we're having Jimmy come on the podcast. Good. So. Make sure he answers questions about that or t- talks about it. What was it called again? Um was it you the Protect Chris? Arkansas Act or something? Um, he worked a long time on it. Yes, he did. He did really We've good work. We've had several people reach like, out and be like, you got to get Jimmy on to talk about that. Yeah, that's Yes, you What do. was it called? Protect Arkansas. You know, we should all be really proud of Jimmy and commend him for being at the on, like at the head of doing that and being from our area. And I thank him. Thank you, Jimmy, for doing that. Because <laughs> there's some really good stuff in there. And I've talked about it. I talked about it last time I was on. You know, I think it's backwards to just go ahead and have a parole system that, like, says on the front end before you even plead guilty that you're going to get out really fast. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. like, your 10-year sentence means, like, two. Yes. You know, I don't think that's fair. That's 
it's being disingenuous to the citizens to say, like, I'm, you know, hey, we're getting these big sentences, which my 126-year sentence, she won't get out. It's too long. <laughs> but, but anyways, the um, but that's a problem, and I think, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that the legislature and the our executive branch and the governor and, you know, Tim Griffin at the AG's office are paying attention to those issues because her concern is valid mm. because that's what it seems like. Well, man, they just told me he was going to prison for five years, mm-hmm. and he came home mm-hmm. yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. that's... <clears throat> That's confusing to the public in and a way. And it's because there's not enough beds. Yeah, like a lot of time it's bed space, or you know they don't have places to put them. And but they're also you know part of the the protect Arkansas that I really like is that there's a lot of reform in there too, where um, there's some restorative justice measures so that they can do programming in prison and um, get an education or or take different classes to get a better job when they're out, things like that that give people the tools to do better when they That's are great. released. That side's important, too. Like, we can hammer, hammer, hammer all day long, but that doesn't change the behavior. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. I've never met somebody who went into prison for a long time and came out better unless they were doing uh, something yeah, in the yeah. meantime. A hundred percent. Because imagine if you're just, like, we all went through COVID, and you were sitting in your cozy, comfy house, <laughs> right? And we're all going nuts during COVID. Imagine just sitting in a jail cell or your, totally. you know, communal toilet and, like, all, I mean, it's just really yeah. horrible. yeah. Rightfully so. Like, I'm not saying they should have, you know, the Four Seasons treatment or anything, but um, but you got to think about what that does to somebody's... Dude, yeah, jacks you like, up. mentally. I'm reading so. a book right now. It's, a, it's the best memoir I've ever read by a guy named Joseph Niles, and he's a, <clears throat> was a leading attorney in Los Angeles and uh, got addicted to drugs and, and had battled sex addiction and prostitution. I mean, just went, like, crazy. I mean, he had a terrible home life. It became, like, mm-hmm. a phenomenal, like attorney and then like have this like back you know you know this kind of private life anyways he gets busted goes to prison and he talks about his book people will ask me like did you get good treatment since you were and he's like dude i was nobody and he's like talks about just it's just it's hellish you know like no matter who who you were out there like prison is prison and it's really really hard and they'll jack with you and Mm -hmm. i I read a book recently called the well-gardened life and uh, it's basically talking about how um, a lot of prisons, maybe not a lot, but there's this kind of this new thing where prisons are creating like gardens, even garden spaces, something as simple as a garden space. And then they're giving the inmates um, responsibilities to care for the garden, like to plant, to weed, all of that, to harvest. And it's amazing how just like little things like this, are they're seeing results of just like giving someone dignity, giving mm-hmm. them a job, giving them the ability to get like some vitamin D and all that, like it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to get Jimmy on to hear him talk more about that. I, I guess the last question I want to ask you before we move into rapid fire is, what are you most excited about? You, you've got, you said, what, three years ahead yeah, of you? Three and a half three years, years ahead so of you, yeah. So three and a half because I'm only. Yeah, that's right. Like, well, I guess yesterday was yeah. my fifth month. It's awesome. <laughs> so I am most excited about the camaraderie that's starting. So you know, our district is so big geographically that we've, they've kind of all, all the counties have kind of been in their own little world and have never mm. really truly communicated. So, but now with technology and everybody getting used to Zoom and things like that, it's so much easier for us to be able to get together more often and do that, that kind of like team building where we're, we're all together, like you're not alone. Mm. Like poor Mike trails up in Clay County by himself all the time. And, and you know, I, he probably thinks I'm annoying, but I'm like, hey, are you doing okay up there? I just want you to know, like, you That's know, cool. there's somebody else down here to help you if you need it. I know you're good but I just want you to know I'm here if you need me. Um, and I probably call him like, I don't know, 
every couple of weeks to just say that. <laughs> That's really awesome. I'm but, sure he feels really cared for by that. Well, I don't know. He may find it annoying, but um, <laughs> anyways, I just, uh, that is that relationship building I think is so important because like, we don't know who all we know that could help with something, right? Like, like uh, I had like Jessica Thompson, my chief deputy had built, she's building relationships with Labonna right now with some of the doctors that work on child abuse cases that could possibly help somebody in another County that she's not even working in at the mm. time. Like you never know who you know that could help really bring a case forward and, and home yeah. um, or help somebody else. So making sure that that communication is, is active and growing has been really important to me, and it's, it, it's been well-received by the deputies. So I'm excited. That. Well, you know, I, you when I think about you, Sonia, it's like, you're, you know, there's the things that make me really happy to, to know you and to be able to see you represent in our city is you're a person that values honesty empathy, you know, teamwork, um, and you've got a lot of grit. And so I think those are all just fantastic traits. I hope you never lose those and keep leaning into them and it makes you good at what you do. So thanks for coming on and sharing all those things. If you're ready, we'll move into a little rapid fire questions, put you on the witness stand. Put me on. All right. um, I object though. (laughs) All right. What is the last show or movie you watched or the last book you read? Oh, I've been, we've been watching Succession. Mm-hmm. my husband and I and then the last book I read I don't remember the name of it I can't remember but it was a book about one of the, I guess she's one of the last living holocaust survivors oh wow um and she told her story from I mean she literally grew up in it and I think she was she said, I think she was like eight whenever Jeez. the war ended so she like grew up in it and it was phenomenal yeah. um and just kind of I don't know it was a really good book I really it puts things in perspective when you read it. Yeah. It really does put things into perspective. And then, but, and then you see, I don't know, to me, you hear stories like that or you hear like my mom's story, Mm -hmm. um, that she's been on here that like those, that's why when, when I used to have clients that would complain to me like, Oh, my mom didn't love me. And I was like, nobody cares, man. Somebody, like like somebody else had it worse. I promise. And I'm not saying that thing was bad, but you've got to figure out what you need to do to, Correct you can't, yeah, you That's can't use a, that as a crutch or an excuse right. to like, now I can do whatever I want. You're going to feel sorry for me, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really sad that was your background, but you have a choice to make now. Yeah, like that's know. not a get out of jail free card. Uh, exactly right. So, yeah. um, anyways. Is uh, that the daughter of Auschwitz? Is that the name? Yes, of I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. It was really, really good. The daughter of Auschwitz. And it's a fast read, too. <laughs> I read it on one. I've one mentioned flight. this book several times, but. If you like, if you like that read, check out uh, Victor Frankel. What's his name? Man's Search for Meaning. So you would really, I think, Sonia, like that book. Is that right, Victor Frankel? Man's Search for out. Meaning. So he was in uh, Auschwitz, and then later in life became a therapist. But he talks about like, what is it that allowed him and other people to survive while others just kind of gave up and died? Mm-hmm. And he basically talked about you've got to be able to find meaning in the midst of your suffering. And he was like, if and like most people just eventually, like if they didn't die because of starvation or whatever, they just lost hope. Like, what's the point of all this? And they just gave up. And he's like, he was able to continue to find <clears throat> meaning and purpose to live in the midst of all the pain. He's like, that's huge for people. So mm-hmm. it's a, a great read. Yeah. I need to read that. That's a really good perspective. Oh, my god! I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, I think it's so like two million copies or something like that. It's crazy. The first mm-hmm. half is he's explaining like what the conditions were like in Auschwitz. And then he's basically sharing like, from a therapy perspective, like here's what I learned. And mm-hmm. he, he, it's crazy. Cause he says that all of our life is like a concentration camp in that at 
at one point, like we're going to be stripped from some of our privileges. And at one point, like we're going to experience pain that we didn't ask for. And at one point we're going to eventually die. He says now in concentration camp, it just all happens like that mm-hmm. rather than being spread out. So he applies it to real life of like, here's why you need these things for real life stuff. So anyways, wow. it's really good. Um, favorite song right now or favorite band right now. Last what? time you came on, you talked about uh, Radiohead. Right. It was um, so I was, I'm going to go way off into a different direction. That's fine. Are you going to give me something like country related? Yeah. Baby. Taylor Swift. Okay, man. So hey, she's not really country anymore. Not anymore. But I got to go to her concert. Her mm. new, the Eras Tour. Yeah. Man, that thing was good. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I just thought, 80,000 people, this has to be horrible. Because I used to love going to shows in like yes. college and high school and stuff. We'd go to the little shows. Yeah, and, sure. You know, little Seven Foot Sharon, actually. Right. Seven Foot Sharon. But I, I, I was like eighty thousand people. But that thing was amazing. Oh, I bet my wife went and saw her in New Orleans years ago. Mm. And says really, she good needs show. to go again. Let her go again. It was amazing. Oh, it was so. She's good. super talented. She really is. Like I don't know how. Like the way that I don't know. It was just wild to me to see how that one little person on the stage can make everybody go crazy. Oh and, man, it's and nuts. feel like they're a part of what's going on in such yeah. a big atmosphere and her music you know i'm not familiar with all of her music but i know my daughter likes some of it and i listen to it and i would imagine if you're in your world and you're always like crime and injustice and murder it's like i need some poppy like taylor swift sometimes just a lot in the mood i do yes um what is your favorite meal what's correct oh my gosh so lately so generally i always like justin's breakfast Mm-hmm. Or my grandma's food. But lately, I've been drinking, like, the um, Tom Brady protein shakes. <laughs> Tom Brady protein shakes? Yes, they're so good. Where do you get those at? Uh, his protein, you just order it from whatever his website is. But I like the pea protein, and he's got that vegan protein because he's really... Yeah. I'm not vegan, but um, but having the non-dairy protein is better for me. Jeez. So, anyway, protein shake? I know. I'm weird. But that's what I've been... Like crazy. I've been lately. seeing you in the gym too. And You're I've been like, trying to work out. So dang, I've been okay. with the protein shakes, put some strawberries. Tom Brady. T B twelve sports. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe he'll give me like a Yeah. He probably listens free... to the Paragold podcast, I'm sure. I'll yeah, forward this to him. Please do. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he'll send me Text a, him the link. A big I got his number. can of the protein. Or maybe I'll just get free protein for life. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be really good. Share some of the wealth if you do. Um what's on your nightstand right now? Oh gosh, the diapers and wipes are off the nightstand. That's great. She's sleeping. Congratulations. The night. Yes, that's a big milestone. Probably feel like you're an actual human being. <laughs> yes, now. I do. Um, <clears throat> no, just watch charger, my glasses. That's it. Okay, excellent. Uh, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Oh, this may be kind of like what I said last time, but like I guess even last night, like Emma, so all the kids were home last night, all six of them. And Emma was just in, like, the best mood. So Emma's the baby, and she's walking, and she's a year and a half. Mm. And she was just sprinting from one room to the other and, like, giggling with one one sibling and then running back. And Justin and I were just sitting in the foyer watching all mm. of this go on around us. And it was it was just really nice to just sit there and, like, mm-hmm. witness the joy that each one of them have and, like, sharing it with each other and – and that little giggle, man, that thing that echoes down the hallway, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, contagious. Absolutely. <laughs> I was just thinking God of the day, actually this morning, because uh, I was outside playing soccer with uh, my son, my middle child, yesterday, and my 
youngest son <clears throat> had his window open and my wife was in there playing like Legos with him and I could hear him cackling mm-hmm. at something. And it really is just like, oh man, like you could kind of just bottle that up and keep it with you. Right. So, you know, so this is funny cause I, t- you know, talking about kids and like this, those little snapshots of things. So we took our kids on a trip this weekend and, um, they were wild. It was, we had five of the six. It was a, it was Insane. a chore. Yeah. And literally, and so Justin had just watched this video on Facebook or some, one of those like stupid scrolling apps or whatever. Where <laughs> you can like watch it for hours. But he said he'd watched one where this man was saying, every time you think that you're, you're overwhelmed with your kids or, or whatever it is, like just think about when you're 80. Like mm. when you're 80, you're going to think back and think like, oh, I wish I could go through all that. So all weekend... Every time something, like, they would get wild and something, he and I would look at each other and be like, 80, 80, 80, That's awesome. 80. <laughs> so. That's huge. I, I'm, in the, I'm about to finish a book by Phil Stutz. It's called The Tools. There was a, a Netflix documentary that came out that uh, Joni Hill um, produced. But anyways, in the last chapter, he calls it Jeopardy. He has these five tools, and Jeopardy's one of them. And he's talking about we get in these ruts where we're not doing the things we need to do. And he's like, mm-hmm. you need to imagine. He literally says that. It's like you need to imagine yourself. This is on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. But then, like, envision yourself getting up and basically saying to the self that you're in right now, like, live with perspective. Like, mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying. Like, 80, yeah. 80, 80. Like, it's very important. We said 80 a lot. People thought we were weird. That's we fantastic. We'd be shouting it across the museum. 80! <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, whatever works. I'm going to remember that. People listening is probably going to remember that. Last question. What's one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Oh, gosh. I'd say at Justin right now, because, um, you know, with amidst, am, amongst the chaos, like, you know, campaign's over, this job is demanding. He's just been, like, fantastic and so supportive and just, like, you know, the partner people dream having. And I'm lucky I got him. That's awesome. He's all mine. That's great. <laughs> well... It's always a lot of fun hanging out with you. I feel like this has been a really rich time for me. I know it has for those who are listening. So thanks so much for making space to be Thank here again. Thank you. Anytime. All right. And Sonia Haygood has left the building. Mm-hmm. So now you've had an opportunity, Chris, to record the episode with her mom. Uh, technically just one Sonia Fonacia. Of, uh, That's right. It's not two anymore. Yeah. Um, and I always enjoy spending time with our Obviously, as I've mentioned in the previous episode that we recorded with her, and May May twentieth, twenty twenty one. By the way, oh, they're both May episodes. Yeah, or sorry, twenty twenty two. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, excellent. I mean, I talk about it in there, but you know, we were friends in high school, and it's just really cool whenever you get to see someone that you went to high mm-hmm. school with to go on and pursue something that was a dream of hers. And and man, um, yeah, I'm really proud of her because I really believe like she's incredible. Like she's the right person for that job. And so, uh, Sonia, thanks so much for making space to come on. And uh, for those of you who are still listening, thanks so much for tuning in. We do what we do because of you. We love celebrating the stories of people that live right here in Paragould. And so if you can, and if you haven't already done so, uh, check us out on different social media platforms. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, if you've not done this, go on Spotify or go on Apple. Give us the five-star rating. And that just helps people to find us more quickly and learn about truly the incredible folks that live right here in our community. So as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.